When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Here we go, and we are loaded up for your weekend of Football Friday with Fred. Fred White will join us. That is always awesome. A big crowd on tap already. Good morning to you. Greatly appreciate you being here. Hit that like and subscribe button. Let's see if we can blow up the internet today because we have a huge, monstrous show with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker, the Football Friday with Fred. Why will Tennessee's secondary be better this season? Also, Fred will give us some insight as to what he's hearing from camp, and he hears more than the average Joe. Also, an interesting quote from somebody that I talked to over the week, and that was, this is the exact quote, and it was just a conversation, so we didn't write anything about it, but it's, We've been practicing just without pads. And in the summer, you can do voluntary workouts. You really, based off your team leadership, have the choice of that being a real workout or not. But that quote struck me because that's exactly what the 97, 96, and 98 teams out of order did because of Peyton Manning instituting that. You can go out there and practice for eight hours if you want to without the coaches there during the summer and you can't have pads but that struck me because i want to talk to fred white about that and what you can accomplish even before you get into 
preseason camp. Also, why Tennessee's defense is underrated. Does Josh Heifel's offense have a ceiling? And the Big Ten looks like it's got Washington and Oregon at a discount. Caleb was ahead of the game on this and uh, mentioned this. Wow, it's been a couple weeks, I think. Uh, So he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. How are you, Caleb, on this Friday, sir? I'm amazing. Guess what, guys? Taylor Swift is extending her heiress tour in the United States next year. It's in the fall. We will be doing our work. But I may be out of town when we cover one of the games because I might be going to a Friday night concert. Nice. She paid $55 million to her support staff, which was pretty awesome. I, on the other hand, it's funny you mentioned that, watched the third concert of Guns N' Roses in their latest tour. I can't do it. I can't pay the money. He's lost his voice. I think it's too much smoking. He actually wasn't, Axl Rose wasn't the one who did drugs, but I decided I came to a definitive answer. And, you know, I was thinking about flying to L.A. to see Metallic and all that. I can't do it. He, he just can't sing anymore. I can't go pay that, and it would bother me throughout the two and a half hours that I'm watching a guy who can't sing anymore. So I'm just going to keep that memory there. Uh, they are going to be at Thompson Bowling Arena, but I'm going to find uh, Metallica. So uh, I'm going to find a Metallica show because they are on point. They are every bit as good as they have ever been. And James Hetfield turned 60 yesterday. What the H? Wow. Same? <laughs> I mean, that was like a wow thing. And Pee Wee Herman passing away at 70. To me, how was he 70? And um, did you like Pee Wee's Big Adventure? No, I wasn't a Pee Wee Herman guy. I I loved the movie. It was just so goofy and silly. We need more goofy, silly movies, whether whether or not you like that one. I might watch it over the weekend. Today's tough question is now and caleb set this up and i'm wondering what in the world he is thinking it's brought to you by zen sports today's tough question today's tough question take a side take a stand the dave hooker show a presentation of off the hook sports.com all right caleb thinks his defense that tennessee has is underrated wow so far the only people that would agree with him were Tennessee's defensive players who got a little defensive last year. Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign with the code hooked that's hooked that's right unlimited five percent cash back so you get money for gambling i mean, think about that keep betting and keep earning with up to three percent cash back on your betting volume every month after that refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards to zen sports is bringing the cash back to tennessee so if you're if you bet big on sports you want to be betting on zen sports zen sports betting just got better right here in tennessee all right Tennessee's defense is underrated. I'm just going to let you roll with this. Are you? Do you mean underrated the way they played last year, or underrated heading into this year? Uh, where Where are you going with this, Caleb? Because you you brought this up at our 3:45 production meeting. We have a, a 3:45 production meeting every morning, uh, a.m. And I I just I said you know don't tell me don't don't tell me, Caleb, because I 
I want to hear your take firsthand with an audience so that if I feel the need, I can just completely berate you. No, dude. But um, I'm always interested, and I, I, I want to go in fresh. I don't want to do the show in the parking lot. So why is Tennessee's defense underrated? Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports. Because, and this is an old trope. By the way, I said this, the South Carolina game notwithstanding. Nobody can defend that one. They gave up a touchdown every drive in that game. I mean, literally South Carolina, I think, batted a 1,000. There were a bunch of things that went wrong in that. But if you actually look at the efficiency of the defense and not the totals, they are much, much better than it shows. So just going to give you three stats that matter that I think people don't pay attention to enough. One. And by the way, Tennessee's defense should be better this year than they were last year. Go ahead. Guess where Tennessee ranks in opponent points per play? Not not, Not points given up per game, but points given up per play. Out of 120 or so Division One programs, I would say that Tennessee, as far as least points given up per play, would be in the top 50 at best. You, it's better than that. They were number 14 last year. Wow. Yes, points allowed, per, points allowed per play, 14. Now, yards allowed per play, which I think is the most – telling defensive stat they were top 50 they were number 42 they give about a little over five yards per play the reason there's such a gap there as you and i know tim banks was very much reliant on tim banks had a philosophy of he knew where he was under man and his philosophy was the more plays a team has to run the more likely they are to make a mistake and that was exactly how he operated last year tennessee was very much a bend but don't break team last year i hate that phrase i think i don't like the phrase bend but don't break i think it's overused but there is a philosophy where if you make a player, a team work for points, they will eventually make a mistake if they weren't my I, players. I actually hated it more than you until the past couple of years. And with the offensive rule changes in college and to some extent the NFL, it is the way you play defense. It really yeah. is. Unless you just have a rare dominant group that can take over. Maybe we'll see another 2000 Ravens again. I don't believe we will. But unless you have a rare dominant group that can take over, that's what every defense is now. If you watch nowadays, they play a little bit softer in the middle of the field. And then their goal is to make a play when you get inside the red zone and there's less space to defend. That is really every defense. It's If, you, if we watched football just five years ago, Caleb, it, it would look almost completely different on defense. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I, I totally agree with you. And then here's the big one. Now that we all agree their biggest weakness was their pass defense. Well, they were 61st in yards allowed per pass attempt. Now, that's not good. I'm not pretending that's good, but that's nowhere near as bad as we as you would think it is on paper. Because it, what people need to understand is, with Josh Heupel's offense, there's going to be more possessions and more plays that other teams run, meaning there's going to be more opportunities to score. So you can't look at totals with this defense because the totals are skewed by the fact that Tennessee is going to score so much on offense on the other end. It's like, I'll give you an example, Dave, in basketball, Bruce Pearl used to, to his credit, when he first instituted that up-tempo press defense, Tennessee was giving up 75, 76 points a game. But everybody knew Tennessee's defense was good. They were just creating so many more possessions because of the havoc they were creating that, yeah, they're giving up 75 or 76, but they're scoring 85 or 86. And that's this, and it's because of the number of possessions that this defense is giving up so many points, but it's actually not the lack of efficiency. The defense, again, 
Top 15 in points per play. I think that's the most important stat out there. Points per play. Points allowed per play. It very well could be. So you're saying Tennessee's defense is not great, but it's better than we gave them credit for last year, especially South Carolina game withstanding. I think it's certainly above average. I actually think it's a, I, I, if I were to grade this defense, I'd give it a B minus maybe uh, rather than the D. I think everybody would have given it again. Top 15 points allowed per play is the most important stat and yards allowed per play is the second most important stat. Tennessee's top 15 and one and top 50 in the other. And th- I mean, so in both instances, they are among the better teams. Well, one of the cool things I think we're seeing firsthand, and this is neat, whether or not Tennessee has success is I think we're seeing one of the coaches that are ahead of the game offensively. So a lot of the stats you're bringing up, we never even talked about. We, we didn't talk about yards per play given up. But now I think those are more pertinent. We're also seeing a defense that wants to make plays vertically to help its offense score more plays. It is complementary football in a way. It's not complementary football in that they're getting the offense uh, – the, They're getting themselves off the field and the offense is controlling the ball for four or five minutes to help the defense. It's complimentary football in the other way. The defense is actually creating theoretically is creating more scoring opportunities for the offense. The other stat that you threw out, was it yards per pass completion? Yards a lot per pass attempt. Yeah. Okay. Here's another thing. I'm 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 gonna back your point. I'm a big Caleb guy this morning for some reason. How many times are are teams throwing deep because they're behind? So whatever that stat is, it should it would be even better if it's old school Nebraska, you know, running the football and they're up by ten. Um, so yeah, I mean it's even better because you're. I mean, look at Florida in the second half; they had to take shots, 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 and when they hit it one, I'm sure it helped their average tremendously. Yeah, that's a very good point. And Tim Banks played very, very, very soft against Florida in that second half to make them work the, work the clock. So he left those he left those like 25 yard completion routes wide open a lot of times. So that's a very, very good point, one that I didn't think of. Now, because I just saw the message board, someone said average for SEC. Dave, where do you think their points allowed per play ranks in the SEC? Uh, I would say average. I would say six-ish, eight-ish. Third. Wow, Third. who's ahead of them? Only Alabama and Georgia were ahead of them last year. Wow. Yes, it is a... So is Tim Banks just kind of sitting back playing poker, saying y'all can make fun of my defense as much as you want, and you can say it's horrible and, and his players came out last year and we did poke fun at Adam with Jimmy Himes a little bit if you remember like they're not a number one defense they said we got a number one offense we want to be a number one defense we kind of giggled at that a little bit but does he have a point kind of has a point he definitely has a point point. and again this this includes the South Carolina game in these averages and we all I think that was uh I think the South Carolina game sticks in everybody's head to say the defense was horrible, but as we that's that wasn't indicative of how the year actually went. And the South Carolina game, as you and I know, there were so there were some really other bad factors going on in that game that just I think that you know you lose your linebacker, so you can't do the stunts that you want to do. The defensive line was not playing with their hair on fire. You got your secondary is your weakness, and your free safety is playing with an illness at the time. I mean, that, it, it, it's the worst combination. In that yeah. moment. 
Great all, uh, all around. That's why Caleb's with us weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern live. And you can check us out on YouTube. Jacob, what should people be doing? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. And turn those notifications on because we'll have Jacob on Sunday. So we'll get his thoughts on the first week of camp. We'll have Cooper Mays as well. The ball report brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden and City Heating and Air Conditioning, respectively. Plus, visited with Dwayne Goodrich last night as part of the Celebrate 98 series. So that will go up today or this weekend. And just an incredible story. In case you didn't know it, he spent eight years in prison because of putting himself in a bad position in which he took two lives while he was driving late at night. And But the, the story about that is that he overcame and, and came out and the family for forgave him and he came out of prison he went back to school he convinced fred white to go back to school it's just an, an incredible story and i think it speaks volumes it's emblematic of what tennessee's bond was and i don't know that with transfer portal and some uh tough feelings over one guy getting more money to it uh, more money than another guy. I don't know with NIL and transfer portal if you'll ever see a bond like that again in college football. And there are other teams that have had those sorts of bonds, I'm sure, but that's the one that I'm most familiar with. And then, now, Caleb thought of this idea yesterday, texted me, and we went over it in our 345 uh, a.m. A production meeting. Does Josh Heupel's offense have a ceiling? Because I thought about it a lot last night. And I've got to take, I don't think we're going to see things the same way, but that's not bad. And you have an argument that Josh Heupel's offense can get basically much better. Is that is that where we are, Caleb? Yes. Okay, how? Why? How would you make that argument? Because they were pretty, they were one of the best in the nation last year. So this is the old gimmick or not offense that we used to talk about with Mike Leach and Steve Spurrier's fun and gun and things like that. The question with Josh Heupel is, is it a gimmick in the sense of when they run up against teams with elite cornerbacks it, it, with the right defense, it doesn't matter what the talent is, they're going to lose. And that's the argument that Tennessee, when Tennessee ran up against Georgia last year, was this offense gets exposed when it runs up against a defense as good as Georgia's. I think it has another level. And the reason I think it has another layer is I think they lost to Georgia last year, not because the offense is a gimmick. They lost to Georgia because they didn't have the talent to compete with Georgia's corners one-on-one -on, -one on the outside. I mean, it was purely that simple. And I think if you get more speed at receiver, Cedric Tillman was playing with a hurt ankle. It was raining. Jalen Hyatt is a, is a straight-line speed guy, but not quick off the jump. It was, well, it was not let's also give let's also give Georgia fans some credit. There were pre-snap penalties because they got challenged about not being loud, and I, I think they deserve some credit, Georgia's fans. But I'm with you with everything you say. Go right ahead. Yeah, and so I would. So the reason I bring all of that up is that is it, the reason I bring all that up is that Josh Heupel, I think, if he got more talent at the receiver spots and even in the offensive line, not to knock the offensive line there. It's a good offensive line, but it's not like it's not Alabama 2012 offensive line. I mean, we're not talking that 
if, if he got those things, he would be able to run more on Georgia and the receivers would actually be able to win those matchups one-on-one. And Tennessee's still not there. I mean, these were guys, I, I like Cedric Tillman. I, I, I like Jalen Hyatt. They weren't five-star receivers. They were four-star caliber receivers. Tillman was listed as a two-star, but we know he was four-star talent. And so we haven't seen what he could do with five-star talent at receiver yet with a Mike Matthews who's coming in next year. I think Squirrel White is five-star caliber, even though he was a four-star. I think Dante Thornton is going to be five-star caliber, even though he was a four-star. Once you get those players, those matchups, all of a sudden, Tennessee can win with Georgia. It changes the whole complexion of the game at that point. So that's why I don't think it has a ceiling. Okay. Tracy Morgan, what do you say? That's crazy. It was the number one offense in the nation. Travis says, I don't think they can score 100. No, they can't. It was the number one offense in the nation. Plus, we're How seeing many Dar- against Georgia. Okay, I know, I know. But we're seeing Darnell Wright, but scoring-wise per game, it was the number one in the nation. Uh, so we're seeing Darnell Wright have a great camp. We're seeing Jalen Hyatt seemingly make plays every day. So... No, I think that they had upper echelon talent last year. I think that uh, offensively. And I think we didn't know it, but now, and and you and I were both kind of on the Jalen Hyatt was a product of the system thing, right? Yes. Okay. Uh Uh-uh. No, I've I've watched, (laughs) this is what a nerd I am. I've watched some Giants practices uh, and, no, no, no. And he's now like the fastest guy. He's faster than Tyreek Hill. We may have underestimated Jalen Hyatt. You and me, personally. I- I'm putting that on us. The rest of the media gave him the Blitnikoff Award. You and I may have underrated Jalen Hyatt a little bit. Um, now, could they be better at wide receiver and beat one-on-one coverage, press coverage that Georgia loves to run? Sure. Would they be better with with Tillman out there? A healthy Tillman that played the whole year, yes. But now I'm I'm going to disagree with you there. I think the foot was to the pedal last year. I think they won the Indy 500. Could they have won it by a couple of more feet because they had Cedric Tillman? Yes, but I don't know that there's another. It's very different, higher level than what Tennessee's offense did last year. I don't care if Jerry Rice comes back in his prime. I still think that this offense was incredible last year and will be incredible moving forward uh, as long as they get great quarterback play. Well, I no, I think against most competition, you're right. The argument about the offense is that the, the system itself gets exposed if it plays an elite defense like Georgia, which we all agree Georgia was far and away the best defense Tennessee played last year. Yes. And – so the question becomes then, Dave, is that always going to be a thing? Is that always going to be a thing where the offense hits a brick wall when it plays a defense as good as Georgia's? At which point, that would mean the offense is a gimmick. Um, well, you're talking about a generational type of defense in Georgia, though. I mean... Because even Ohio State was able to score how many points against Georgia? It was, it was what, 40, 30? But don't, don't you think that was one of the cases where Georgia last year overlooked opponents? I mean, they did that. You should never do that in the playoff. But I mean, I that, that, that's possible. And they certainly didn't overlook Tennessee because they took it personal, all the talk about Tennessee that week. Um, but I, I, the only, I, I'm bringing that up because, like, if Tennessee was where it needed to be talent-wise and they could still only muster 13 points against Georgia – 
and the touchdown was a meaningless touchdown and a field goal came off a turnover. Well, so really they only mustered three points. Isn't that a really big concern for Tennessee long-term? Like, don't you hope they can get better talent-wise? Um, I don't think you can get much better talent-wise than what Tennessee had. I mean, they had a first-round pick in Darnell Wright on the offensive line. They had some receivers that would have gone higher, but I think there were enough people that had questions if they were a product of the system. We'll know a lot more in after this year, frankly. I mean, I'm not not postponing the question, but how, how do Hyatt and Tillman even made a play uh, recently in, in preseason camp? How do those guys do? How good were those guys? Um, you know, th- there have been a lot of players over the years that I thought were just okay. That turns out that they were, they were a little bit better than I thought. So, and we'll know a lot more when they plug in new players, but here's the other thing, whether or not you're right or I'm right or we're both wrong it doesn't appear as if Tennessee is going to have any dip in talent, especially at the skill positions. I'm a little concerned about the 2024 offensive line. I've said that before without Cooper Mays and and the guys that they lose, but you got Dante Thornton signing up. You got brew McCoy signed up a year ago. I mean, are they ever going to have a dip in talent at the skill position? So even if you're right or you're wrong, they still should be pretty darn good, right? Well, I mean, they're a I bad year's a be B- better at the skill positions. Yeah, a bad year's a B plus on offense, right? That's a right. bad year. Right. The question becomes, and, and you're right, the offensive line is the issue. I like Javon Tespragans. I liked Jerome Carvin last year, though. Let's talk about the guard play, because that's as we know, Hybels offense needs the run game to go. Don't we think that Tennessee could get don't we think there are better guards you could get than those two? Like, like they're not on the level of Georgia's guards or Alabama's interior line. Not now, Cooper Mays is, but not the guards. Oh, I agree. I agree. They could get better there. Yeah, but and think, if they I, had if they had Alabama style guards last year going up against Georgia, they might win that game because they could run the ball more. No, that's fair. Uh, I, but I, I, I don't think that across the board it was an appreciable difference. I think that they were very talented on offense. I think you would agree with that, right? I mean, we could. Yes, pick I think they were very talented. I just think there was another. I think here's the question: Against Georgia, were they held to 13 points because Heupel's scheme is a gimmick, or were they held to 13 points just because they just didn't match up talent wise? I don't think they matched up talent wise on the outside at uh, corner and receiver. And then I think when I think when Hendon Hooker went down, that was the heart and soul of that team, and they were done. Well, that no, that was South Carolina. Oh, I thought you said South Carolina. Who did, no, no, oh, Georgia. George, did, yeah, did they not match up to against Georgia because of lack of talent or because Heupel scheme is a gimmick? Okay, the two uh, – let me try to illustrate better what I was trying to say. The two times that I thought their offense really struggled would be those two times. When Hendon okay. Hooker went down against South Carolina, they, had, they were already struggling, but I thought they were going to make a surge there before he got Yeah, I'm hurt. throwing that game out. I'm throwing that game out completely. Yeah, that's fair. And then the other time is, of course, Georgia. I don't think they matched up well in, in the outside. We Which means Fred they White. can get better talent-wise. They can. Uh, we got Fred <laughs> White coming up next. Former Vol will join us, and he is absolutely phenomenal. I got a couple of questions I'm going to ask, Fred. Those off-season workouts before even preseason camp starts, how important are they? And – why Tennessee's secondary will be better this year than they were 
last year. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. How about we come back in about two minutes and we'll be joined by Fred White, a football Friday with Fred. Stay tuned off the sports. Kenneth, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers, featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. We'll visit with Fred White here shortly. And I'll remind you the Celebrate 98 series continues. So, Long list of players that are up there already. Jeff Hall, Jeff Coleman, Dante Stallworth, who played the part of Peter Warwick before the Fiesta Bowl in the national championship game. And um, uh, Billy Ratliff is up there, but Dwayne Goodrich will uh, be up there as well uh, today. So we visited with Dwayne last night with Fred White. It was, uh, I thought, a pretty incredible interview, and um, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I hope you will. Things are going great with Dwayne, which I'm glad to hear. And, you know, the, the very serious situation of when he, when he took two lives in that tragic accident in Dallas that ended his career. Obviously, the lives were, were more important. But, you know, he still deals with that, Caleb. And I think we all have a little bit of regret in our lives. But taking two lives, I mean, that's got to be tough to deal with. And he says he still thinks about it and it still bothers him. Um and you can just tell in his in his eyes when you're watching him on YouTube, you can just tell that it's still something that really hurts. And um, you know, you only have it's done. You only have one option. That's to to move on. And his he's been able to do that. He has a son that it looks like is going to be pretty highly rated prospect. He has a daughter. Um, the, the son will be a senior. In high school, the daughter uh, is a senior in college and actually working for Tennessee's recruiting department. So uh, it was it was a really cool conversation. Um, I know that it's easy to say what he did was horrible. and He was, but he paid his price, Caleb, and he's now a contributing member of society and a great dad. And I was just um, I was just uh, very impressed again by Dwayne Goodrich and the way he handled the terrible tragedy early in his life i don't know that at 22 years old i would have been able to handle that i might have just 
become a career criminal or whatever, um, spending that much time in prison. I, um, th- that ain't easy to overcome. No, it's it's the old Nick Saban trope. Like I look, I believe in I believe in paying your price and paying your debt to society, but I also believe that if someone's not a threat and we know they're not going to be a threat afterward, like where do you, like Nick Saban always says, where do you want them to be? You know what I mean? Would you rather them be contributing to society to society and doing good things or keeping them needlessly punished when needlessly punishing them is not going to bring anybody back and it's not going to help anybody in society. And I, you know, I felt that way with, I feel that way with Dwayne Goodrich. I, I feel that way even now with Henry Ruggs, because I know what he did was horrible. What Henry Ruggs did was so awful, but I'm sure he regrets it more than anybody right now. And I'm, he has to pay his price threw away a career. It, but it, it's, yeah, I don't want to see uh, all it is, is an extra life ruined. And that, yeah. that helps nobody. I was so glad to hear that Dwayne's doing as well as he is. And uh, Fred White joins us now. It's a football Friday <laughs> with Fred. Uh, Fred, you talk to Dwayne daily. Uh, and it was, you know, we were talking about what he had been through and how he has turned himself into a great member of society. And I, I just, um, I can't tell you how happy I am for him. And I know you are as well. And he had a big impact on, on your life as well, as you guys both went back to college and graduated. I was just, I felt really privileged to be a part of that conversation last night. You know, yeah, that's, that's my brother. That's, you know, here's the one thing that I understand about a lot of different things when it comes to people, even Henry Ruggs, I heard you talk about him as well. There's a lot of people who got behind the wheel and had something to drink. I'll raise my hand. And, and, and didn't have an accident. You know what I mean? Yep. That, that right there still t- you had an opportunity to because you actually did get, get in the car knowing that you had a few. You just so happened to, by grace of God, not have that thing happen to you. So I don't judge anybody about what they've done simply because, hey, man, everybody makes mistakes. Things happen. It could happen completely different. Guess what? I had a client of mine that just hit a deer. I've driven down that same road 20 times, or over 100 times probably. I never hit a deer. Sometimes it's just what happens. Sometimes it's what I don't want to be biblical. I don't want to be you know, religious on the show, but I understand that sometimes things happen to you to slow you down. Sometimes things happen to you to change your course. Never know what happens, but I, I feel like things happen for a reason. But it's what you do when you get done with those things, when you've gone through those things, how you handle yourself after that. That's the most important part to me. And I think those guys are, and like you said, Henry Rose, man, I know he's sitting there and I know he's probably really feeling it because he's got to go through it right now. And I pray for that kid on a regular basis. I, I don't even know him. Because I know what he's going through could be some somewhat very tough. Because I, I have a teammate who's gone through something kind of similar. Not exactly the same, but I understand the struggles that he's gone through. But I also am happy and proud of where he is today. Uh, that, that will be up to Celebrate 98 uh, series brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. You can go to tncidercompany.com. No, I... I Done it, I did it countless times in my 20s, um, and it very well could have been a lot of us. Um, and um, now I'm just I'm so happy that he's he's doing well. You know, one of the things I tell all the UT guys, I tell every last guy that gets drafted the same exact thing. If they listen or not, it's up to them. 
But at least I did my part in telling them, hey, man, I know you guys are going to have fun. I know you guys are going to have drinks and party and those type of things. How about you get you a sprinter van? Get you a driver. When you're going out, get you a sprinter van for the weekend or get you a sprinter van for the day. Buy you one, whatever it may be. But don't go out there and do those things. I'm guaranteeing you right now, with the way things are going right now, you got Uber, you got Lyft, you got all these things. Man, you can get you a driver. And that driver can drive you wherever you need to be. You have the money to do it. And it's just as cool getting out of a Sprinter van at the club as it is getting out of a Lamborghini. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, it's true. It's just as cool. So those are the things I tell them all the time. I don't know if they're listening, but I hope they are. Because in this day and age, those are the things. If you're going to go out and do those things, these are the things you should be able to do. And you had the money to do it. So do those things to keep yourself safe. Don't get behind the wheel while you're drinking the drive. Don't do that. Yeah, I took I took Uber from Nashville to Chattanooga for SEC Media Day. So can, Uber can do a lot of things. I just had to get out of there, Fred. I had another night where I could have stayed with Caleb, and I love Caleb, but I had to get out of there. I was sick of talking to people, and the poor lady probably thought I was some sort of stalker because I didn't talk the whole time. I was so sick of talking to people that I just sat there in silence. But, you know what? So I, I understand. I talk to people all day long. You gotta get out. <laughs> I gotta get out. All right. They Bonnie left me Bonnie. alone at a Airbnb in East Nashville <laughs> Thursday night. <laughs> all right. Rocky Top Tom's excited. He says, Fred exclamation point. So here we go. A football Friday with Fred. And it's brought to you by Fred White with Allstate, and he can put you in good hands. How do people get a hold of you for fantastic insurance coverage, sir? They we're on every social media platform there is. We're even on Google. <laughs> All you have to do is Google Fred White Allstate. But you can give us a phone call as well. Our phone number is 770-381-0367. If you don't want to talk to me, I have a wonderful person in my staff and Melissa, she can get all your information for you, and she's very pleasant to talk to. Um, if not, you can go online and do it yourself. Uh, you can actually get yourself a quote online uh, on our website, uh, Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter. We're on all those things as we speak. Is that called X now? I, I, I'm not sure what Elon Musk is doing over there. But you can be found on all social media platforms, and we'd love to get your business. We'd love to actually quote your business or teach you something that you don't know. Answer any questions that you have. There you go. We got a couple of questions here. Travis said, I'm not exactly following this, but let me see if I missed something. Travis said, Fred, Dave said that all other quarterback play in the SEC was bad in 98. Before we get to a couple of topics I got, was it was it bad in 98 other than maybe Florida, which wasn't great against you guys? I'm simply trying to figure out who we play. Actually, no. Clint Stoner had a really good year. Yes, Stern had a good year. Yeah, two series that one one went for over a thousand, the other one for about nine hundred. Um, then you have uh, Quincy Carter didn't do so bad. Yeah, he did pretty good himself. Um, he did bad against you guys. <laughs> he did bad against us. I mean, then you had Tim Couch. Tim Couch lit it up, even though he was on Kentucky's football team, but he did light it up. Yeah, another question for Fred before we get to some topics that I want to get to. Uh, how did Georgia's defense hold Tennessee to 13 but allow Ohio State to walk all over them? Break it down, Fred. I'll tell you one thing. Here's, here's the difference between the two. When we played Georgia, 
play Georgia in a hostile environment in Georgia where the crowd was all Georgia except for maybe 20% Tennessee fans. Um, the crowd noise got to us. I will say also, our offensive line and Ohio State's offensive line were completely different. I think Ohio State's offensive line was really good, as you can tell from having two first-round draft picks in the offensive line position. So they had a little bit more firepower to be able to handle the rush from Georgia as well. Um, receivers were about the same. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you no lie that Marvin Harrison Jr. is one of the best. He, if he don't win the Little Cup Award next year, something's wrong because he's amazing. Um, and they had a receiver on that same team that went in the second round. So they, they had a really good football team, but they also played in a neutral place. So when it comes to the trenches, I think Ohio State's offensive line was a little bit better than ours. I'm not taking anything away from our offensive line, but you had two first-round draft picks on that offensive line and a third-round draft pick on the same offensive line. So they did have an offensive line that could get some things done. They just found ways to beat, you know, to, to pick the holes in Georgia's defense as well. Um, something that we tried to do, we just I don't think we could do at the time. Yeah. Fred, um, let's change gears a little bit, talk about this year's team. Um, somebody said something to me that reminded me of, of what you said about the uh, 98 season. Mm -hmm. And they said, we basically practice all summer just with without pads. I was like, whoa. I was like, and that, and that wasn't, I don't think that was the case with Butch Jones because you've got to want to win for everybody and you've got to have mm -hmm. that sort of bond to go out there and knock the hell out of each other in summer with no pads. That was one of the things you said was key that you guys were having full scale practices without pads. When I tell you that, how optimistic does that make you about this group of alls? That makes me feel amazing because you know what, man, it takes stuff like that to get it done. And, and that's the one thing, Linda Wayne talking about things about watching film and, you know, those type of things on the, on the Celebrate 98 thing, which you guys need to go make sure you check out. Um, those things make a difference. They make a difference because you're already in the routine. It's practice is just, it's simple at that point. It makes it so much easier. You learn all the things you need to learn. You teach your guys you need to teach. The guys who are starters can teach the freshmen how to do the same things, and you're watching them. You're coaching yourselves. In order to win championships, in order to be good, you have to be able to coach yourself. I used to always say this. when, If I made a mistake in practice when I was young, all of the guys on the defense would be able to tell you what you did wrong, and there's no coach telling you that. So if I did it in practice, before I could even get to my coach, the guy who was in front of me was already telling me, hey, man, Look, what did you see? Why did you do this? No, read this. This is what you're supposed to see. We ain't cover what? You see what I'm saying? Like, it would be the conversation would be just like as if a coach was coaching you, right? But it also shows you what talent you have on your squad. It also shows you what everybody can actually do. You know what I mean? That's kind of how we got that continuity between myself, Dwayne, and Dion, and also Steve Johnson. We knew that Steve was going to play the deep ball. He's not playing underneath. So if you're on Steve's side, you jumped underneath for him. If you know Dwayne Griffiths is going to jump that underneath route, you play over the top of him. There's a difference. You know that from doing those things in the summer and those seven-on-seven -seven drills. And you also know the range of Dion, what he's going to do and what he's going to bait. Hey, dude, this is this is the defense we're playing, Dion. Check, check this out. We got cover one. I'm going to play outside man technique. 
Anything inside, you take, and I'll replace you. If it's a dig route, I'm going to replace you with a deep ball because it's a dig route. You jumping. That's an interception for you. See what I'm saying? Like that, those are things that you learn in seven on seven. That's what, those are things you learn when you got full scale practice and coaches are not there. So when coaches call plays in the in camp and during football season, and you shouldn't be making any mistakes at that point no. because you've already done it throughout spring and summer all year and hand placement for the linemen and those type of things. Hey man, you do those things anyway without with, with pads on. So just doing those same things without it helps you get your steps in, helps you get your hand placements and all those type of things. It helps because it's routine at that point. Fred's appearance brought to you in part by Andy Mason, real estate.com. He's my realtor should be yours. Best prices and service in the biz. Andy Mason, real estate.com. He is phenomenal. Over 40 years of experience in his office. Andy Mason, real estate.com. Support our advertisers. That's why we're here. And I'm, I'm wondering when you start camp, because it used to be they had the two days of freshmen only, which was kind of silly. And then they had uh, like four days acclimation period. And they still do some of that, but it's not a hot topic like it was back then. Yet, unfortunately, some players with, with the heat issues. Um but it, it, you still have to acclimate. So how quickly do you feel like in preseason camp when these balls are in day number three, first day in full pads on Friday, how quickly do you feel like you're in the flow as far as uh, getting better in practice day in and day out? You should be able to hit the flow by the end of the week or by midweek. If you've already doing those things in the summertime that you say you've done and you're mm-hmm. hydrating yourself correctly, that's the one thing you we did all these things and we weren't really hydrated like we supposed to. Why weren't you hydrated? <laughs> hey man. By the way, tnsidercompany.com, use the promo code <laughs> hack and you can get free swag with any purchase. They deliver Tennessee cider most everywhere in the United States of America. Why weren't you hydrated, Fred? Well, man, we waited up until the last day before we started camp to start actually hydrating. I mean, so you were de- you were dehydrating up until camp. We had the one last event where we had a cookout with everybody week before the Sunday before camp started or whatever day camp starts. A few days before that, we would have a team cookout, and we just got it all out. That was it, and then you start hydrating. <laughs> oh gosh. But it was that I think that cookout was needed for one reason though. Everybody came. Everybody showed up. We all hung out with each other one last good time, and then we go to work. That's it. We, we we've had enough fun. The summer's over with. Let's go to work. What's up, Fred? Fred, can you coach? Like, is there anything a coach can do to like get? players to be this close and make sure they do things during the summer that they should do and stay focused and all of that? Like, or, or, do, they, or, or do they have to just make sure they recruit the right people to establish the culture? Well, you got to establish a culture within your locker room. Your locker room establishes a culture. The guys who are playing who really want, if you really want to win, you establish that culture. Hey, man, this is how it is. You play defensive back with us. When young guys came in, Willie Miles and Tad go, y'all follow our lead. Well, you won't be here long. Plain and simple. I mean, you won't be here long. We'll make sure you're gone. 
Hey, coach. He ain't good. He got to go. Yeah. Uh, First year, I won't Ray off the team. <laughs> right. Uh, some great stats on the message board that I'm going to bring up. Uh, great job, Uper Vols fanatic. I don't know what that means, but good stuff. Um, so I want to get to those. But Caleb started the show with an interesting query, and which means question, nothing else. And that was, is Tennessee's defense better last year than we gave it credit for? Statistically, if you looked at it, it was towards the bottom of the SEC. However, he looked at it yards per play, and they were number three in the SEC. They're no, put points, per a, play. Points, a points per play. Points per play, points per play, sorry. So he, he, by breaking that down, made me think that maybe that defense was better than we gave it credit for. What do you make of that statement? I look at it from a different point of view. Okay. You can't score? can't win. I don't care how many plays you play. It's what you do while you're on the football field. You get off of it. Period. Yeah, even though your offense is scoring fast, hey, man, listen, if you're doing your job, you get off the field. That's simple. Um, I understand the stats and those type of things. Let me tell you what our stats were to let us know whether we had a good defense or not. And this is Coach Tavis standards, and I it's, still live by them. Was it the 17 number? I still live by them. 13 points or less. 13. 99 yards or less. 250 yards or less. 99 yards of rushing or less. 250 yards or less of passing. Right? That's the stats that I still live by that tells me whether you got a good defense or not. Now, we didn't hit them all the time, but that was the goal. Now, the game has changed. People do put up more points. I get it. I understand but, man, when you get on the football field, it's your time to shine. It's your time to show what you can do. So I still live by that. I have gone up a little bit in the points because how many how many plays guys give. 20 points now is different for me. Maybe 110 yards will rush it. I still don't want you to have over 100. And because of so much passing, if you're under 300 yards, that's when I tell you you're, you're good at defense. And that's what I've seen teams that win championships do. You look at the Georgia defense the last few years. Go tell me what their numbers are. You measure yourself by the best. You don't measure yourself just by, hey, what could have, should have, and would have. I'm sorry. I don't do that. I go by facts. And facts show me that we were in the bottom for a reason. Were we good? We were okay. We could have been better. I think we can be better this year. But I don't go by my own stats and make up stats and say, man, you know, we actually better do it. No. Mm-mm. Stats don't lie. Numbers don't lie. That's why Michael Jones is the best player in the country, in the world, ever. Because oh my he has gosh. six championships. Numbers don't lie. I, I agree with you on that, but don't get Caleb started. He'll have some crazy take out of left field. Caleb, no, I actually agree with Michael I, I know him. I know what he's going to say. By the way, what about, by the way, a quick aside, Squirrel White saying the other day, they said, um, do, do you and Joe Milton um, together, do you, are you like, uh, remind anybody of, did you hear about this quote? I did. Okay, and he goes, he goes, um, I'd say Shaq and Kobe. And then he took a second. I watched the video. Shaq and Kobe, two of the best combos of all time in yeah. any sport. And then he took a second. He goes, nah, I'd say Mike and Pippen. 
So not only did he pick the two best combination of basketball players, in my opinion, of all time, but he's on a first name basis with Michael Jordan, or he just calls him Mike. And <laughs> I mean, if if Pippen didn't have an unusual name and he just said Mike and Thomas, we'd be like, who the hell are you talking about? Well, if he really knew Pippen on a first name basis, he would have said, Hey man, hey man <laughs> listen, when you have a commercial that says be like Mike, when somebody says Mike, you know who you're talking about. You ain't talking about Michael Jackson. You're not talking about uh, Mike Tyson. Mike. Yeah. And then put Pippen behind it. You already know. It's, yeah. You know. He didn't. He didn't say. Uh, he didn't say Mike and um, the ex-husband of uh, the son of Michael Jordan's son that he's dating. <laughs> Dave, you being cynical. I thought the same exact thing. I was sitting there thinking. I hope he's not talking about the relationship they have now. Set that up because he's mad at Pippen. Do we believe Michael set that up? No, no, <laughs> I heard wrong. Michael Jordan make the comment. Someone he was actually in the middle of a conversation with someone else, and someone asked the question, Did he approve? and he said he stopped the conversation he was having and said, No, he just flat said, No, that's a, yeah, I saw no. that. So uh, that that tells me a lot, and it also tells me some other things. Because if you listen to what his son said recently, how his dad wasn't there a lot, type of thing. So I also think some of this is defiance. Um, Amen. I mean, well, I mean, what it is. A lot of people that are that driven are not good dads. That's you got to be somewhat selfish in order to be. Yeah, great in some things, and sometimes you got to be that selfishness takes you, your your um, it takes you away from certain things. Sometimes you sacrifice a few things. Sometimes you sacrifice relationships, and I understand that. I've I've, I've got regret for writing a rewriting a story till eleven o'clock at night when my kids were six and eight years old. I've got regret. Let's let's get back to Tennessee football because uh, I have a therapist for this. So, Kayla. <laughs> Well, okay, I wanted to point day. out Fred and to see if anybody gets my reference because Fred was not making any excuses for the defense last year. Fred lives by rule number 76. Anybody? Anybody? Rule number 76. Like there you go, Fred. Fred got it. Like Wedding crashers. Rule number 76. No excuses. Yeah, play like a champion. 76, play like a champion. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, uh, so... Fred, I, I, talking a little bit about Cam, do you think the I, – I heard a lot of people talk about that there were some injuries on and off at cornerback last year. Do you see do, do you see a chance for really marked improvement in the secondary this year for Tennessee, given how close you are with the program? You know, I don't put any stock into anything until I see it on the field during a game. Do I think we can be better? Absolutely. Do I think we learned from mistakes we made last year? Absolutely. Do we have the talent? Absolutely. Do we have the coaching? I think that's on par as well. I'm just looking for them to put those things together and do it on the football field. Now, when you're playing against an offense like this, you got receivers like Squirrel Wright. You got Dante. I can't remember his last name. It just came in. You got um, Ramel Keaton. These guys are really good receivers. You're going against, against some of the best receivers in the SEC on your team every week, and you got a quarterback that can get the ball there in a hurry. you got a backup quarterback that can put the ball almost anywhere. If you can't get better going against them, something's wrong. And then at that point, it's either 
player or his coach. And I don't think we have it. I don't think there's a discrepancy in either one of those. I think we get better this year simply because the talent we're going against every day in practice. And I sincerely hope that that's the case. And then also, man, it's we talk about this. Dwayne Gruber said this himself. He was able to play like he was able to play because he had a pass rush. Mm. He had Don Walker and Billy Ratliff and Sean Ellis and Corey Terry up front, and they were wreaking havoc on quarterback. And you got Raynock coming off the edge and out, you know, when he blitzes up the middle. Now, those things also make a difference. When it comes to secondary, you give me a good defensive line, I'll tell you right now, your secondary is going to be okay. They're going to be pretty good because you got a good pass rush. That means the quarterback is throwing the ball faster. He's throwing the ball when he doesn't want to throw it. Timing and all those things are off when you got a pass rush. So that is the most important part of your defense. Now, every now and then, a, a good coverage can get you a sack. It's called a coverage sack. But if you don't get past the pressure on the quarterback, I don't care who you got back there. You can put Deion Sanders back there. He's not going to be able to cover for five, six seconds. It ain't possible. Yep. Uh, click that like and subscribe button if you haven't already. Make sure you have your notifications on because Cooper Mays, Jacob Warren, and Dwayne Goodrich will all drop this weekend and the conversation with Dwayne was just uh, I'm just privileged to be a, a part of that um Fred were there were there any players last year that you saw flashes from are you smiling at me you're laughing at what did I say <laughs> push the rule number five never let a girl come between you and Tennessee football <laughs> I love that one that right there hey man I'm talking about I like that so <laughs> balls before broads yeah there you go <laughs> That's hilarious. I like that. Uh, so I, I'm trying to think of another clever one, but I don't have one. Uh, are there any players you saw last year that showed flashes of talent in the secondary that you said, hmm, he's pretty good or he's pretty young, but I really like the upside of that cat? There's a few of them, but I think the one that made the biggest difference to me in McCullough. Um, and I'm saying that not just, not just because he wears that number two, baby. But, <laughs> but I'm saying it from the standpoint also of when he didn't play, we were a different secondary. That one game he didn't play, it changed a lot. He was, was a, a different point. secondary. When he came back, our secondary was more – play played together more, in my opinion. I think he is a key to our defensive secondary because he's a, what, fifth-year senior, sixth-year senior, whatever it is now, I can't remember but he had the Kobe year. I'm happy that he came back. I think his leadership is going to help us. He knows where to be. He knows how to be in the, in the defense now. Now you have free reign to be able to do who you, be who you're supposed to be. And I'm hoping that that's the case. I look at him and say, man, look, you have to be the glue to keep all this together. Now McDonald showed some flashes last year. Slaughter showed some flashes last year. There's a few guys that showed some flashes. Now it's just putting all those things together and making plays. You're not just out there to cover a guy. You're out there to also change the game. You're also out there to say, okay, I know this play. This is coming my way. I'm jumping that route and being right when you do it. Those are the things I'm looking for. Now, I think Slaughter was a guy who did a lot of good things back there for us in the secondary. I think those young corners, I hope they grow up fast. I hope they grow up fast because we need them to. Hey, the, the guy that stood out to me, and when it comes to evaluating talent, I'm not in your league. Uh, I completely understand that. I feel I've said this before to Caleb. I can tell you a one star and I can tell you a five star, but the two to four in that range is where I, that's why you're a football player. That's why guys get paid to be 
uh, scouts, and I don't. But the guy that I saw that just seemed fluid to me and his hips and everything was Danico Slaughter. That yeah. was the one to me that I just looked at, and I thought, that guy has the most upside. Could I be on to something, or what do yeah. you think? I like Slaughter. That, that, he's that guy that showed me a lot. He can play outside. He can play nickel. I think he's more of a nickel because he's aggressive and those type of things. I'd like to have a guy like that at the nickel position. You have to be more aggressive to play nickel because you have to come up on the run a little bit more. You're almost like a third safety. Um, you have to play the run some. You have to also cover the slot receivers, which is not an easy task. But I think he can do those things. And he did show me he can last year. He's aggressive. He will hit you. And he likes to be around the ball. So I'm hoping that he is a guy that can show us a lot next year. Great so this stuff. Year already. Great stuff, man. Fred, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for helping with the Celebrate 98 series brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company, tnsidercompany.com. Again, the promo code HAT, you get free swag. Uh, but, the, you know, uh, but the book doesn't happen without you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, love you like no other, brother. And um, – and you're in the ATL this weekend. We were thinking about making a road trip. I might stop by and see you. How about that? Man, if you come on down, come on down, Dave. Come see me, man. man I don't want to. you're not going to drink and drive, though. I guarantee you. <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't drank in like two years, which is so weird. I was thinking about that this morning. I was like, for some reason, I just decided I was done with it. And uh, poor Caleb saw me. He probably wanted to rock it. I used to be legendary on the road, on road games. <laughs> I, I mean, I used to be like reporters. We, would come we, we to me. had a road trip day. Yeah, well, we had one too. <laughs> but reporters would come to me and I, I can't wait to rock it in Gainesville, Athens, wherever, with the legendary Dave Hooker. And then somewhere along the lines, I said, I think two beers is enough. I'm going back to the room. That's it. That's my limit now, too. I'm good after that. Good stuff. Uh, I, I wish I wish my limit was two, but it's not. <laughs> oh, you'll get there, man. You'll get there. We got, we, 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 we got a pub in my neighborhood that I can walk to. So, Caleb, let yeah. me tell you something. I'm being honest when I say this. It's going to hit you one day. And when that day comes, it's not going to be like a gradual slowdown. It's going to be like a hard stop. Yeah. <laughs> it was my early 40s where I was like, this hangover thing is a whole nother thing. Yeah, I can't do this. I'm good. It yeah. hurts. <laughs> yeah. But I made it. Well, like, Tom says, wait till 35. I'm, at, I'm 35. I'm there. Listen, and I would rather, I would rather run 16 110s right now than to have a hangover. Guarantee it. I bet yeah. 16 110s would cure your hangover. <laughs> What's that? I said, I bet running 16 110s would cure your hangover yeah. if you are hungover. I don't know if it would cure it. <laughs> 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 all right fred keep it up again he's got you in good hands just google fred white all state he'll take care of you uh we will talk to you next week and again uh, the celebrate 98 series with Dwayne goodrich will be up this weekend thank you brother thank you guys and one last thing yes sir you drink and drive and you get caught your insurance rates will go up <laughs> <laughs> Y'all have a good Friday, baby. Yeah, see you, buddy. <laughs> have a good one, Friday. <laughs> they will go up. Yes, I do know that from a family member. That so my wife does insurance for some of our friends and family members, so they go up substantially. Unless you're an SEC football coach in the '70s, at which point they really just don't cover it up for you. Yeah, they just let you go. Let's let you go. Yes. Um, tampering a problem with the NIL, Bruce Feldman. 
uh, had a, a great column on that. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Tennessee, and <laughs> I believe in the, if you ain't cheating, you're trying. I think Tennessee toes the line with some with some tampering issues. And I mean that as a compliment, and they probably should. I think every school should that's not named Alabama or Georgia. We'll discuss why I think that and why tampering could be an issue in just two minutes with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the hook sports. Our family has been creating one of a kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Done a lot on the program today. If you haven't been a part, go ahead and click like and subscribe. We've determined that it's amazing that James Hetfield was 60 yesterday. Pee Wee Herman was 70 when he passed away. Tennessee's secondary will be significantly better. Tennessee's defense wasn't as bad as a lot of people thought last year. What a show already. So welcome. Taylor Swift is the greatest country artist ever, and that's why she went pop, because she was already the greatest ever in country. I will roll with that. I, uh, I think so. Greatest pop star. She's not the greatest pop star ever. That's Michael Jackson, right? No, no, not greatest pop star. Greatest country artist ever. I was a big Shania Twain guy. He surpassed Dolly Parton. Oh, you can shut your mouth. I can mute your Come mic right here. Come at me, bro. Come at me. Taylor over Dolly oh, every day of the week. That's pure craziness. <laughs> that's pure crazy. All right, we got something serious to get to. And it is tampering. Bruce Feldman wrote a column on tampering. Here is the, the new way to cheat in recruiting, so to speak. It is, uh, it's, it's tampering. So you, you reach out. 
to a guy who's at another school, you say, would you be interested in coming to my school and you could play more and play for a championship? So you can easily see why that uh, appeal would work for, say, a Keenan Peely. He's not going to win a championship at BYU. That's not going to happen. He's going to play in a bigger stage at a better environment. I'm not saying that Tennessee tampered. Also, with Dante Thornton, here's the other way that tampering is even more prevalent. I can tell you that Dante Thornton went to a couple of different schools. Now, was he tampered with? I don't know. But it was simply a bidding war. And he ended up at Tennessee, and that's good for the balls. So the other way to tamper is you call somebody and you say, I'm just telling you, there could be 250 Gs sitting here for you if you decide that you want to uh, take a look at this particular school. And a lot of schools did that. And as a matter of fact, I was told Tennessee didn't start that process that got Dante Thornton in the transfer portal, that it might have been a team somewhere in South Florida. So um, tampering. What did Bruce Feldman have to say about that? And then I'm going to ask you the question, do you really have a problem with, with, with tampering? Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I tampered. I liked Caleb Calhoun's work. And I found Caleb Calhoun, and I tampered with his previous employer, and I called him, and I wanted to work with him. This is a business now, kids. Tampering is almost a silly word that you throw on what would be called talent acquisition in any other company. So if Josh Heupel wants to tamper, as long as he doesn't get his hand slapped by the NCAA, go for it. But what did Bruce Feldman have to say, Caleb? So Bruce Feldman says he got a call a couple of months ago from a coach he knows not well, but a coach he knows is an assistant coach. It was a two-minute voicemail telling him a story of how one of their better players, not their best players, one of their better players got poached. Absolutely uh, stupid coach to let that be recorded. Let me go ahead and tell you that. <laughs> Seriously. Well, player- it was always, when somebody was going to tell me something like that, it was, they've called me. They've called me. And then it turned into text. You don't ever throw something like out. I mean, you don't throw something out there like that. But anyway, that's a stupid coach. But go ahead. So... Feldman said that the player went into the coach's office the day after the regular season ended and said, I've got an offer from some other school. It was a six-figure offer, relatively low, but still six figures. And the assistant was basically, wait a minute, you think it's legit? And he goes, yeah, I think it's a legit guy. And then he goes, and the assistant says, well, this is what makes him dumber. Well, then you should take it because if they're offering that kind of money, he's not going to be able to match. That's basically how it went. And Dave, I'm a thousand percent with you. Tamper away. There should be no rules on it. If you can tamper with coaches, coaches sit there and say, commit to me for four years. Players commit to coaches and coaches can leave on a dime anywhere. And with social social media, these guys all know each other. If the NCAA wants to take any sort of stance against tampering in the transfer portal, you might as well just waste your stupid time because there's, there's no way with social media. I mean, I'm bringing up the name Dante Thornton again. I mean, for all we know, Dante Thornton, Brew McCoy, and Squirrel White were at a same camp together and know each other. Okay, so, I I mean, let's take uh, Cedric Tillman because the time frame would match up better. What if he were at a camp with Brew McCoy and he said, man, this stuff's awesome. You got to check out this Tennessee offense. I know you want to get out of Southern California. Technically, that would be tampering. There is no way you can legislate that against current players, 
against former players like they used to do. Remember former players like Peyton Manning couldn't call a prospect and say, you'd look great in orange. That was considered an NCAA violation. If the NCAA wants to spend its time doing that, it's going to be fruitless. They may be lucky to bust one person, and it's a complete waste of time. And let me tell you where this is going. And Rocky Top Tom, I know you hate NIL, but this is what's going to happen. Talking to a somebody that's really tied in, and this is going to happen within the next five years. So you have this big gray area of NIL money. What's going to happen within five years is the schools are just going to pay the players. That's what's going to happen. And that way it's a little bit more even killed. Not to say they can't get endorsements. I don't think anybody's figured out how to do that. So quarterback one might still get more than offensive guard two, but that's the way it's eventually going to happen. And when that happens, the schools that can't pay their players are out. And then you have the mega conference and I will go on record early August of 2023. This will happen within five years. Schools will be paying players and they will just be the conduit from the boosters to the players. So like Spire group, these other collectives do what you can make your money while you can because you're eventually going to be cut out and nobody's going to feel sorry for you. That's a fact. No, no one's going to feel sorry. And that's exactly what's happening. And look where, and this is why contract, this is why conference contracts, by the way, particularly the big 10 and sec matter, because if you're getting such a bigger payout in the big 10 with these TV revenue deals, well, guess what? That's NIL money. It's not technically NIL money, but as you and I know, Dave, it's NIL money <laughs> because the more you're bringing into your program, the less you have to ask for the boosters and you can ask the boosters to jo- to basically go buy players. And that's going to be where this is. Now, my question to you on the recruiting show, Dave, I was thinking about this. So if you were doing a power ranking of like the moat you've covered recruiting, where does NIL come in this? And I asked Josh Pate this uh, at SEC media days, but I want to know your thoughts. Where does NIL come? Because I feel like your chances to get to the NFL is number one if you're a five-star athlete, right? Mm, no. From what I've talked to, it's NIL number one now. NIL's number one? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you would go to South Dakota State over Alabama, okay? So everything right. has to – but you you would go to South Dakota State if they were paying $500,000 and Alabama said, we can't give you anything because we'll give you a shot at the NFL. Okay, so – Okay, so what if it's competitive? What if the offers are competitive? Can the okay. NFL? Or- okay, that's that, that's a better way. Yeah, better way of phrasing the question. If the offers are competitive, I do think it's still making it to the NFL. Okay, and after chances of going to the NFL, location was probably the second biggest thing for recruiting back in the day, right? Like Georgia getting Georgia kids, LSU getting Louisiana kids. That was a big factor in recruiting, right? Every kid was different, but I would say this. I would say the number one before NIL was, was can they get me to the NFL? Number two is how quickly can I play? And number three would have been loyalty for whatever reason. Your parents went there or you grew up in Knoxville or Baton Rouge or Gainesville. I would say that was third. Every kid's different. But as a whole, if I were to write a book, and I've thought about having your college kid recruited for dummies I've thought about writing that book, you know, the for dummies <laughs> book. Yes. Uh, and the number one chapter is every coach is going to lie to you. 
but I, now I think it's NIL. I think it's, I think everything's second. So I, I, I so NFL, so competitive, but you agree NFL could outweigh it if the offer's competitive. So my question with this is, I've always said, we've talked about it forever, that LSU's had a massive recruiting advantage because they're the only Power 5 program in the state of Louisiana. Yes. Well, does being in the state of Louisiana matter anymore where if they're so far behind at NIL, which is what we both heard at SEC Media Days, is that they're actually behind at NIL. Well, does that mean that if LSU's competitive with Tennessee, but Tennessee offers more, do you think it's more likely a Louisiana kid now chooses Tennessee over LSU despite the location advantage? Can LSU? I give you a read between the lines statement? Sure. Jordan Matthews ain't a vol if LSU's got their NIL collective together. Well, I thought, you know, Jordan Matthews could have been like a Lucas Taylor, I thought, back in 2005, who chose Tennessee. Mm, I was told money was a big deal. <laughs> oh, interesting. I was told money was. was but, a- okay, but that's one anecdotal thing. Does, right. does LSU just completely lose the advantage of being in Louisiana now? Is that just a dead advantage with NIL? or does that, No, because they'll get their stuff together or that thing that I said where the colleges just pay them will happen. There's plenty of money there. And we're talking about one guy. You're right. That's anecdotal. They still, pro- out of the guys in the state of Louisiana, if they wanted 20, they might have gotten 19. I mean, so they're still golden. Does it diminish it a little bit? Maybe a little bit, but surely LSU is going to get their stuff together, you would think. Same with like Ohio State and Georgia. They can get their, they can just get players in their backyard still, even though NIL's a thing. Yeah, I just think that you're going to have to be prepared to have something on the table, and you're not supposed to pay prospects, but you have something on the table where you say, I mean, for goodness gracious, I saw Nico like show up on an Instagram Walmart commercial. For the love, of, I mean, for the love of, I swear, for the love of goodness, I mean, that didn't happen in his seven months on campus. That that all had to be in play and ready to go and agreed upon. So the money was definitely there. Whereas in Florida, you got Jaden Rashad that shows up and his money's not there. He's like, I'm going back home. Not to mention the OnlyFans that are going to come from women's sports now. (laughs) Only. Oh, that's. You got me so confused on that. I thought that was. I made reference to OnlyFans on several occasions and Caleb would give me a weird look because I did not know that it was what it is. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you're listening. <laughs> Hooker and only fans. <laughs> Pardon me. Uh, as I thought, but I really thought it was like, you're a fan of this particular school. So like it's the only fans LSU web or the only fans South Carolina website. But to get back to your point, if the money's equal, no offense, South Carolina. Okay, I know we have a lot of South Carolina listeners, but if the money's equal and it's $500,000 to go to South Carolina or $500,000 to go to Alabama or Georgia and you can play for a championship and you can be prepared for the NFL, which Kirby Smart has now proven he can do in a short amount of time. Nick Saban's done it over a decade. You'd be insane though. Unless it's early playing time. So that does get down to the individual kid. You still need to be ready to sit the bench for a year or two if you go to Alabama or Georgia. And I thought that might undermine them, the transfer portal, and their immediate success, but it hasn't. Kids are still willing to go there and sit the bench. John Calipari said it best. I know a lot of people don't like John Calipari, but don't trip over nickels to get millions. 
And, you know, a, a couple of $100,000 for an offensive guard, is that the going rate? I don't know. But if you go to an Alabama or now, I think you could argue a Tennessee with what they did with Darnell Wright and what they've done with Cooper Mays or a Georgia, somebody that prepares you for the NFL, those are tens of millions of dollars. Those are life-changing, generational-changing type of money. Don't go to a school for $50,000 and think that, hey, I got $50,000. My financial concerns for the rest of my life are over because they ain't. No, go to school to be a first-round draft pick more than anything else because you're a first-round draft pick. It doesn't even matter if your NFL career doesn't work out. You got some guaranteed generational wealth at that point. Agreed. And and I know this sounds crazy, but go to school – if you're in that sort of position, <laughs> take the easiest major you can. It used to be urban studies. The Linda Benzelmeyer case situation came down the pike with Tennessee. They'd send them to urban studies. It was super easy. That was one of the various NCAA issues that Tennessee avoided. But I interviewed Linda Benzelmeyers, and, and she goes, they're just funneling these guys into urban studies, and they're getting good grades, and they're fine, and they're, they're able to still be eligible. But what do they get out of that? And I said, that's, that's a fair point. But do you know they're able to come back to school? Like we just talked to Fred White and Dwayne Goodrich and uh, Reggie Cobb. They're able to come back to school and get their degree, and the university still pays for it. And she goes, uh, Really? Like, yeah, really. So while you're there, focus on football, knowing that if you go to one of the top 25, 50 programs, top 40, they're going to pay for your school to come back. Weight rooms over classrooms, baby. That's the way it should be. That's what I would tell my son. I mean, if he was a borderline, if he can come back, if he can make a run at the NFL, if he was that type of prospect and he can come back and get his degree. Now, I would be on his rear end when the NFL didn't work out to go back and get your degree. I'm still going to be that traditional good parent that says, get your degree. But if you knew, if you want to focus on football, because that's your best option, do it, do it. Absolutely do it. Changing gears. We talked about how Florida state wants to join the sec. And now it looks like the big 10 is going to take Washington and Oregon and get a discounted price because they leverage them. Um, I don't think Southern California and UCLA are happy because they wanted to be the only teams on the West Coast in the Big Ten. The Big Ten suddenly, when I thought it looked silly by taking the Trojans and the Bruins, looks pretty darn smart because you could have a Big Ten West and a Big Ten East. What does that mean for the SEC? Just may not be interested in expanding. Could they take FSU and Clemson at a discount? I don't know that they can get out of that ACC contract. But I thought the SEC looked way smarter by taking Oklahoma and Texas as opposed to Southern California and UCLA. Now, if the Big Ten nabs Washington and Oregon at a discount, and by a discount, they don't get an equal share of the conference money. That's what I, what I mean by that. Kudos, Big Ten. Kudos, Big Ten. You've run the game. If you can have what would it be a 18 team league that has a West league and they're not in an East, a West and an East. And you better be careful SEC because if you don't go, so up Clemson and Florida state and they find a way to get out of that 
terrible ACC television contract that lasts like for another six, eight years that they can't get out of. If you don't go, if they get out of that and you don't sew them up, I have no reason to think the Big Ten's not going to gobble them up. You, you are on the verge suddenly just within the past couple of days. We're talking about mega conference. The mega conference might be the Big Ten. I don't want to say the SEC is ever going to be left out of the party, but the biggest party is going to be in the Big Ten if you're not careful, SEC. Yeah, it, it's funny. So the, what I was reading today, and by the way, in real time, I want to point this out, guys. Pete Tamil, uh, Pete Tamil, and Heather Dennis are reporting that Pac-12 is unable to land the plane with its media rights deal with Apple TV because of this last-minute push that the Big Ten is making. It's uh, as we're talking right now, the Pac-12, the hundred-year-old conference, is dying and may be dead by the end of the day. It may dis- it may dissolve by the end of the day. Yes, if you're and, watching this, <clears throat> if you're watching this on Sunday. This may be slightly dated because it, it it very well. This is happening. I said days yesterday. This is hours. It's ha- yes, it's hours. And the SEC has thought. So one of the things they've weighed, Dave, is adding Florida State and Clemson. You know, that's two more schools to pay out. Now those two schools bring in a lot of revenue. But one of the things they've weighed is, what if we just played a lot more conference games rather than add teams? And that could. What if we? What if we played like eleven SEC games? Or what if they just went exclusive and just played all SEC teams the whole year? And they thought maybe I'm that brings in their money. I'm down with yeah. that. Listen, and I know in particular Tom gets frustrated with me. I want the NFL model. I want there to every game. I, I, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I know they could lose each and every week. I don't care if they're playing the worst team. And that's the case. You know, the Chiefs always drop a game they shouldn't early in the season. That's the case every week. You don't have the Texas El Pasos that you go beat up on that goodness knows I've sat through the press box and I've thought, man, when will this game be over? And I'm sure Caleb, you've been at home and you flipped to another game for a moment. You, you don't need that anymore. And nine and three can be a good enough season to get in the playoffs. This old mindset of you have to be undefeated or close to it to win a championship. Where else does that exist? Caleb. Dave, you and I are going to break on that. I think it's what made college football so special, though. It's I every don't... Saturday mattered more than anything else. It was the most beautiful thing. I, no, I agree. I don't want to devalue the regular season much, okay? But just a little bit to make for an exciting college football playoff. There should be no four-loss team in the playoff, and a three-loss team should have to need some good fortune to get in. So I'm not... I'm not like totally devaluing. I hope you hope you see that. I'm not talking about expanding to 16 games or anything. Like, I don't want, I, you know, the greatest game I ever watched, and I don't know if you feel this way, the most exciting college football game I ever watched was 2013 Alabama-Auburn. Nothing will top that, the kick six return. That is the greatest moment to me in college football history. That's not the greatest moment in college football history if there's a 12-team playoff because both teams get in the playoff anyway and nobody cares who lost. And well, you do have you you discount more than I do the home field advantage in the bye week. So the way they've instituted, and I criticize the NCAA more than anybody, Caleb. But the way they put it together, well, it's not even the NCAA; it's the College Football Playoff Committee. But the way they put it together, where there is still things to be gained with late wins in the season, I think they've remedied that. Do you not agree? I mean, what if the, what we'll if the loser what if the loser of that game doesn't get a buy and has to go on the road? That game yes. still means a lot. 
Well, I agree with you on that. It's just, it wouldn't, like, when you look back on it in history, it wouldn't have the same impact that it has right now. When we look back on that game, it's, like, sacred, the way that game ended and the way we feel about it. Now, getting back to the point with the SEC, I want to know your thoughts. Should Even if the SEC thinks they're better off do you, doing that, do you think it's time that they go ahead and try to raid the ACC because they don't want the Big Ten in their area? Do they need to go ahead and get Florida State, Clemson, my, even Miami, North Carolina? And Virginia yeah. Tech and Virginia, yeah. just to keep yeah. the Big Ten and, out. And I guarantee you, they're they're doing the, the Godfather stuff behind the scenes, where they're mm-hmm. pushing Florida State. I guarantee you that in some shape or form, the SEC was behind. Remember when they basically the the only out of the contract was for there to be no members of the contract. So they ha- tried to have a mutiny. I think it was they had to have eight of twelve teams. I think yes, they need eight of fourteen. I think the SEC's pushing behind the scenes, but they don't want that out because Florida sure doesn't want Florida State in the SEC. South Carolina, sure. Yeah, they don't want Miami either. South Carolina doesn't want Clemson in the SEC. So you go up and down the line. There are a lot of people who don't want that. So I think the SEC has been all along pushing behind quiet channels. You know, you just make the phone call and you say, well, if you could get out of that contract, um, we love to have you, Florida State. You make the they same. They would have to promise it to eight teams, though. Well, unless unless the SEC colludes with the Big Twelve, and the Big Twelve agrees to promise it to some teams too, because I don't think the SEC cares if the Big Twelve is in their area. They here's, do care if the Big Ten's in their area. Here's the thing that I think works. I I think that you call the ones you want. And you say there's a home for you. And then those teams like North Carolina calls Wake and said and says, hey, we need to figure a way to get out of this or we're going to be left holding the bag. Wake, are you going to get in the SEC? Probably not. But you don't want to be an independent. I mean, <laughs> you, know, I mean you, you don't, don't want to call NC State. You call NC State and Duke. You don't call Wake. Wake's the last. Wake will be left holding. Well, no, I'm saying if you're North Carolina, if you're North Carolina, you call Wake. I just, I want to give you a heads up. We're going to make this push to blow up the ACC. So you need to find a home. So what I'm, what I was trying to answer is you don't, you don't make a home for eight teams. You make a home for the teams you want, and you hope by it falling apart that it filters down and other teams jump on board. That, that was my point. Well, yeah, but see, right now, those other teams have no incentive to kill this brand of rights deal because they're at least stuck in a safe conference until 2036. So I think you got to give – I think what you need is you need, the, you need to collude with the Big 12. So the SEC gives North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia Tech a call. I mean, like, there's a home. And then they collude with the Big 12 to call Virginia, NC State, um, maybe Miami, Georgia Tech, some like, somebody like that and say, hey, if you guys give them a home, We'll give these schools a home, and both of our conferences are strong. Then I don't because I don't think the SEC cares if the Big Twelve is in their market. They care if the Big Ten's in their market. Don't you agree? Oh yeah, that's why I said that about Miami. Miami's not my first choice to add to the SEC, but it is because I know that the Big Ten would take them because they believe in television markets, and that's what yes. number three in the nation. And you. It, uh, I thought it was top 10. It may be number three. But you def- this is why they need to add a North Carolina and Virginia school now. You don't want the Big Ten to get into North Carolina and Virginia before you ever got into North Carolina and Virginia when you are the SEC, Southeastern Conference, and you're all about congruency. And, and, and Rocky Top Tom, 
I, I, I love your opinions and I respect your opinions. And there was a time where I was a traditionalist and I thought the same way, but I realized that's where we are headed. So why not do it right? Don't bumble into this. Go ahead and do it right. If you're the SEC, be aggressive, be willing to expand. I think everybody's a little bit scared. I mean, I think everybody's a little bit scared about what your what's your legacy going to be in college football if you're Greg Sankey or you're the commissioner of the Big Ten and you push this to happen. Well, I mean, what is your legacy going to be? I saw a Twitter clip where Bill Walton was talking about, uh, oh, the new SEC commit. Uh, I'm sorry, the new Pac-12 commissioner is going to lead us to great championships and great things. And this was about three years ago. He was on College Game Day, and I'm thinking. Oops. Okay. <laughs> and Bob, Bill Walton is doing that as a UCLA fan, one of the schools that blew up the Pac-12. Right. And that, <laughs> yeah, and that's that guy's legacy. I can't remember his name, the Pac-12 commissioner. His legacy Larry is Scott. that I thought it was somebody that replaced Larry Scott. Is it Larry Scott? But well, it's, it's somebody that replaced Scott. Yes, it's the one who blew up, but Larry Scott's going to be the one who to get the, all the blame for this. And he okay, well, be. that's his legacy. Whereas yeah. <clears throat> a Roy Kramer, his legacy was creating a unified champion. I might slap. I thought he cleaned up the league. Um, and the, the Big Ten commissioner now, I don't, don't know his name off the top of my head. His legacy is going to be he brought a lot of television money and he got Southern California and UCLA above. So we all have this legacy. And I think everybody's scared about their legacy. And at this point, legacy be darned. It's going to end up where this is a semi-pro sport. It already is, and it's just needs it, it needs the structure involved. It needs the structure involved, and it's going to have that. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Don't forget about Dwayne Goodrich, Cooper Mays, and Jacob Warren. Hit that like and subscribe button. Please turn your notifications on because we got stuff dropping all the time. For Caleb, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.